Are models too skinny? Tyra Banks thinks so. Tim Tebow poses with strippers. Are there many universes? Ruffles comes out with man chips. Can we now make cell phone calls on airplanes? Romney and Obama attack each other. Is Iran being shifty? Should we get our prostates checked? And a shy horse swims two miles. Plus Twitter answers and the thunder round. All this and more during the... Last Week on Earth with Bentley. of me because it seems ingrained in our culture and our minds we're supposed to do what you're told to do in music put your hands in the air all right is the bank being robbed or am i just having a great time because i'd love to know why i'm being ordered always to throw my hands in the air and it seems like about 87 percent of hip-hop music demands you to put your hands in the air. It's the only request. It's like, occasionally it's also throw money in the air. But most of it, that's still your hands in the air. You're still like, yeah. So, I don't know why they're so into making you, you know, put your hands in the air. Occasionally it's shaking is also an important part of it, which makes a lot of sense because when you're trying to turn somebody on, we still have dancing ingrained as a part of our culture. We think I can't turn on people when I'm not shaking myself in front of them. So I got to try shaking myself in front of people of the opposite sex. See what happens. And sometimes that works. Sometimes a woman's like, oh my God, was not interested in that guy a minute ago before he started shaking his body. And now I am on cloud nine. And I'm physically very attracted to him. Because the way he he shakes himself... Like he's a human shake weight. It's unbelievable. The show this week is brought to you by Jelly Shoes. Let's bring them back. Come on, people. And by people who use their phone number as their Wi-Fi password. Your gym lock combo is probably your social security number, isn't it? It's like you really enjoy giving out a lot of information that is not being requested of you. So it's awkward. That's all I'm trying to say. Um, And we're also brought to you this week by a third sponsor. We're brought to you by Social Security. We might not be here when you retire, 
So therefore, we fail at our name. Technically. Because we're not making anybody feel very socially secure. What we don't, what we keep saying, maybe we won't even be around. That's social insecurity. Right now we have a social insecurity program. That's we pay taxes every two weeks in our paychecks. We pay taxes to a, people who are saying, no promises. This will be anything to benefit you. We might just be taking it. Ah, budget crisis. Hold up, bail out, fuck up, and uh, money's gone. We're going to have to cancel Social Security. But thank you for the piece of the pie you've been giving us. We are very full now. We ate lots of pie. We are fat, but we have to leave the party, and we are not going to help clean up. That is the exactly what Social Security is right now in the mindsets of the citizens of this nation and in mine. I'm a citizen. Don't question my citizenship. I was born in the good old U.S. of A., Los Angeles, California. I don't know why I say it with a southern accent. I was born in Los Angeles, Tennessee. Boy, growing up in Los Angeles. Los Angeles is a very good word to say in a strong southern accent. In Los Angeles. I'll be in Chelsea tonight, Wednesday, May 23rd. On the E! Entertainment Network. I'll be at the American Comedy Company in the San Diego Gaslamp District, June 7th, 8th, and 9th. And I have the first of those six sci-fi specials I told you guys that I was... Uh, was was cast to to do um airing this friday may 25th 10 p.m insane or inspired bunch of crazy web videos from around the world and myself and several other comedians and television personalities comment about how stupid these people are but it's very funny because these people are very stupid and one of my favorite things in the world is to make fun of stupid people so i'll be doing it on the sci-fi network friday Every Friday at 10 for the next six weeks. And then starting this one, starting this Friday. Because you have to start somewhere. And then six weeks later, we'll see what happens, guys. But I have my fingers crossed. Because I think the team I worked with, it was a team so, so filled with chemistry, I felt as though I was back in science class and not paying attention. That's how much we were vibing. Tim Tebow poses with strippers. You heard me right. Tim Tebow poses with strippers. Pious football star Tim Tebow was snapped backstage, photographed himself in the flesh with four female cast members from the Broadway hit musical Rock Ages. So what's the big deal, huh? Well, they were dressed in stripper costumes. Yep, you heard me right. They were dressed like strippers, and we can't have it. They can't be around Tebow. Tebow needs... A very pure environment around him all the time, even though he could have looked at the brochure and known those were the costumes. But he was cool to pose with it. What he got upset about, she posted the picture on her Twitter, one of the actresses, Nika Zhang. And I quote, Well, due to Tebow's image, in quotes, I was asked to remove the pic of him with us half-dressed ladies. He does know we aren't real strippers, right? Tweeps, I'm not mad or judging. Just letting you all know I took the pick down. Okay. Thanks. That was beautifully written. That was sweet and humble, and she made her point. But I'm with Tebow on this one. I'm with you, Timothy. Because um, I think God doesn't mind if you go to the show with the half-naked women. So long as you don't tell anybody. What the Lord obviously wants is 
Secrets. He's cool with secrets. So go out and do stuff and just keep it quiet and pretend that you do interest stuff that you're not into and pretend that you're not into things that you are into. And uh, I think it's a good way to go about your life. That way you're like a double agent kind of. You're going around town like, I wasn't at a show last night. There's no pictures on Twitter of me at that show. What are you even saying? When secretly you know, I was at that show. Yep. One girl took a picture. I let her have it. It's on her camera phone. Oh, man, I hope she doesn't upload that. She did. NASA went through Tebow's mind yesterday. And I'm bringing it now to you. Live on stage. Much like the strippers as they went on to perform Rock Ages. That story, in honor of Tim Tebow, was brought to you by, of course, Creed. Can I take you higher? To a place with golden streams. No good air. That song's not good, but I love to sing it. People love to sing it. He like, shouts them in glory. These songs, and you know, make, really makes religion seem appealing and musical and just like a, like an intense experience you're in a camp and you're waving your arms da, 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 da. Like i've been to gospel brunches that are the most exciting experiences in the world house of blues gospel brunch is amazing da, 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 da. it's literally it's like i'm sure it's like what it's like being in like a little richard show like in his heyday when he was first catching fire and he was literally in sepia tone and everybody was like oh and he's like yeah they're little richard this is like way before the taco bell commercials oh when he was vintage Back when Little Richard kept it real before he was on a piano on the back of a pickup truck heading down to Mexico. Too dangerous to do that now. You draw attention to yourself. Back of a runaway pickup truck, flamboyantly playing music in the back of a... Screaming the top of your lungs? Get shot down, Juarez. Down in Tijuana. En calle Revolución. Revolus. Revolución. Lo siento. Para mis usas de palabras. Imperfectas y incorrectas. Lo siento para todas las personas que no puede hablar español para esta parte del show, Last Week on Earth with Ben Glebe. Porque tú no puedes comprender, understand, esta parte de la programa. Pero ahora, right now, vamos a revolver a la lengua apropriada. Right now, we're going to return to the appropriate language. Boo, boo, boo. Country star Lee Greenwood on CNN caught my attention this week. I forget the name of the young lady who's interviewing him on CNN. She's a reporter I'm a big fan of. I think it's Robin Mead, but I'm not positive, and I should have written it down. And so I also am going to very soon need to figure out how to get like a website for the show going. If anybody's got, I mean, you know, uh, an idea of how I can update it fast, I'll take care of it on my own side if you don't, guys. But if you have, if, tweet me at Ben Glebe, hashtag last week on earth, if you know, if you think of a clever way to get the thing going. Because I want to have a site going every week where I update you all on what the stories are. You can read the full story yourself, et cetera, et cetera. But country star Lee Greenwood was on CNN. And uh, he's promoting his new book. He wrote a book because all country stars should. And he starts talking about patriotism. And it's not Robin Mead, I know now for sure. I know it was not Robin Mead. But we'll get the name of the Nancy Costello, thank you, Brain, for remembering. 
so I could properly attribute it with the, the very talented, intelligent news inquirer, Nancy Costello. Uh, talking with him about his book and patriotism post 9-11 and if we've lost it in this country. And uh, here's, here's the clip. And uh, people all stand up and say, with me, I love that. It's the unification of Americans. Ah, so awesome. Um, you know, I feel like it's patriotism we all had after 9-11. It seems sadly like ancient history now. You write in your book, you write in your book, um, and I'm going to take a quote and read it here. Are we teaching our children what patriotism means? Where are the role models? There's never been a greater need for a return to true patriotism. So how do we return to patriotism? What do we teach our children about love of country? Well, I think it's kind of intertwined between the traditions of America and how we got started, and that was a determination to be a country. Uh, I have a 17-year-old and 13-year-old, Dalton Parker, and my, my older boy came to me one day and said, Dad, is the American experiment over? And that, of course, refers to the British Empire and the Roman Empire, talking about how long our society may last. I said, well, son, it may just depend upon if we can grasp the things that got us started. And uh, we're going to change a little bit, we're going to evolve a little bit, but we really have to just grasp the things that got us to be a country and form that united feeling as Americans. What are those things? Well, certainly the Constitution, the Declaration of Independence, and, the, and remember how George Washington was within a heartbeat, within a day of losing our entire country. Okay, first of all, I'm not even sure what story he's referring to at the end there, because the, George Washington was within a day of losing the country. I don't remember that great. Was it? Maybe I guess that's what that big portrait was, right? That big portrait where he's crossing the Potomac. Was that the one day where it was about to be over? I'm not, I don't remember that. Maybe I'll look that up on the Khan Academy, because I do not remember if there was one particular day. I don't remember like a, like a Custer's Last Stand equivalent for Washington, was it? Maybe it was crossing the Potomac. I don't know if that was the last day of the revolution or if that was the hinged day, I guess. That's probably why it was a famous battle. It's pretty gangster. He stood in the front of the boat with his knee up like that, too, don't you think? And I'm pretty sure that's the quarter image they used. They just re reprinted that because it's a, an iconic image. Uh, here's my point about the clip we just heard. Patriotism is all fine and good. It's a great, nice thing to be proud of where you're from. But I really think that we get it wrong sometimes as a society when we use it like it's one of the highest values we're supposed to have. Like, oh, above all, these arbitrary borders that we fought for, that's more important to me than somebody right across that border. Because, yeah, why? why not? Because we have a money system in common or something? I don't understand what the enormous importance of it is it should be about good and bad and protecting all people who are our brothers and sisters across the planet. How is that not more important than like, whoa, whoa, let me see the, the exact man-made country name on your passport before I hop on board with helping you. You're a few feet past a line that obviously is drawn on the floor here, sir, so I cannot care about you as much as I do my own people. My only point is patriotism. Maybe, maybe it should be like something you prefer as like a light preference. You should have like patriotism about as much as you prefer a corner booth. Like it might be your favorite place to sit and eat and hang out with your friends, but you wouldn't kill someone for it. We should only fight for principles and ideals, not the war won and like often unfair to the native people's lands we live on just seems to me arbitrary that that's like a large source of hubris and pride based on something that 
is often not even done on noble purposes. And when it is, it's like, great. But it was a long time ago, and there's new issues. The planet moves. I was happy to hear Lee Grin Lee Greenwood, who is a huge country star that I'd never heard of before I saw him on CNN the other day. Um, but he's big. Uh, say that we have to evolve a little bit. That's essential. We have to embrace evolution and not always hold on to old ways of thinking. Otherwise, the planet's going to continue spinning in a busy, angry fashion. Um, which brings me to Ron Paul. A busy, angry man. Uh, suspend his major campaign operations this week. Um, he decided, you know what? I'm not winning anything. I have no chance to win. I'm not going to win. There's no way I could win. If something weird happened, I probably wouldn't win, even if like lightning was involved or something. So I'll fi finally admit it, and I'll stop. Um, so that surprises nobody. Our next story, Chen Guang Cheng is now in America, the blind Chinese activist we all got to know and love uh, suddenly became, you know, the big topic of the town. Um, of course, he's an awesome guy. He's an activist who stood up for human rights in China and got persecuted for it and thrown in jail for it. But I'm not trying to make it light of that fact, but it became this sensationalized thing because he ran to the embassy and he's blind. How did he even get there? You know, it's just an incredible amount of determination and like inner GPS to figure that out. People are probably like telling him for like weeks leading up to the escape. No, it's 480 feet on on Certainsville and turn left on Mahogany. Certainsville and Mahogany. I, don't, I could have definitely thought of better normal street name examples for that joke, but you get the point. Palm and Grand Avenue. Is that better? Would that have been better? Anyway, point is he's now in America. Just flew on a United Airlines flight business class. Thank you, U.S. government. Um... Uh, after he escaped from house arrest and um, the Chinese government agreed with Hillary Clinton, boom, we'll let him out if he goes to one of your colleges. They want him to get an education out there so he can come in and be activists against us stronger and smarter and better. So New York University said, all right, come on over. We'll give you a free fellowship. Come out here, study a lot. I think they're going to have him teach a class as well. And uh, so that story worked out perfectly. Hillary wins. America wins. And now he gets to enjoy being blind here in America. Which is cool. I mean, he's already going to be blind wherever he is. From what I understand from extensive conversations with blind people, we have much better sounds in America. Some of the stuff, sometimes it's crisper. There's a lot of smog and horn sounds in China, from what I understand. So, we're doing great here in America. Go USA. Go USA. The point I was making earlier about patriotism, it just reminds me of like an old David Cross bit about the overreaction to hyper-patriotism post-9-11 that really honestly did abuse the truth. Because we weren't attacked as a peoples who live in a certain drawn lines on a map. We were, we were attacked as an ideology and we were that disagrees with the way we lead our lives and we were attacked by coupled that exponentially with an insane fringe element that does not even have the ability to think within moral guidelines, which always makes it worse. But my point simply being, when you over-hyper-inflate the patriotism in moments like that, it clouds the issues of right and wrong and ever the ability to turn inwards and look at ourselves and see maybe 
while what, what happened to us was evil, we can learn a lesson how to not have so many people getting psychotically pissed at us. Because, you know, we all do things every day and probably cross on the streets. A lot of weird, psychotic people. Sometimes they're out there. They got to be out there by the numbers, right? But most of us are not being attacked by them because we're trying to at least, you know, stay out of their way. So it is a world community and you got to um, adjust. And I think you need to adjust by being safe for sure. But you also need to adjust by... You also need to adjust by adjusting inward sometimes a little bit to some degree because that's the only way peace could ever come. It's from compromise. It's not from, well, we're bending on nothing. But uh, if everybody wants to come on board to our way of thinking on every single thing, then we won't bomb you. That's not the best foreign policy either, just simply from like a karma standpoint. And not that that's our main purpose for, for starting many wars, but sometimes we come from a there's no question that we're unflinchingly wrong about any part there's no possibility of that rather, I mean about any part of our starting wars if we can ever do it with anything less than absolute human certainty, then you're guilty of that to some degree, so I think it's a fair critique at least Panel advises against prostate exam. The U.S. Preventive Services Task Force recommended against using a very accepted, commonly used, and implemented and administered blood test called the prostate-specific antigen, or PSA, to screen for prostate cancer, okay? The panel, people have been getting this test regularly, like after age 50, on throughout their life to make sure they don't get prostate cancer, and the same organization that recently, if you remember in the news, announced they changed their long-standing opinion that women over, I believe, 40 should start getting mammograms regularly. They said that's unnecessary. These guys maybe are hired to like, I don't know if they're hired to cut back on costs or some shit, but they're saying that their new, their studies that just came out prove that while pr- PSA, what are they called? PSAs? Yeah, PSAs. Not the PSA you're used to, not a, the more you know, do, 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 do. It's a prostate, uh, and specific antigen. It's hard to say the word specific when you're rushing sometimes. Try it right now. Try it right now, seriously. One, two, three. Specific. That time it was easier for me, but you might have gotten stuck. Who knows? Okay? Point is, uh, the opinions change sometimes, or these guys are trying to cut costs, because apparently it would so- it would find like one in 10,000 cases of this test, they would actually save somebody's life by catching prostate cancer earlier, but they're saying the research also shows that for all of those, tons of people, like a couple hundred people, uh, had to get surgeries they didn't need for cancers that might have been like in the background, slow-moving guys would never have affected them their whole lifetimes, and that it actually was hurting people to be exposed to that and radiation than not being exposed to it, which is interesting to look at it a new way. Yeah, at the same time, I don't. how are they going to estimate how fast the guy grows? I'd If it, God forbid, ever happened to me or someone I care about, like it did to my father, um, till thank God he kicked its ass, he fucked cancer, uh, which, by the way, check out my dear friend on the topic, Yael Cohen's charity organization uh it's let's f cancer.com organization is called fuck cancer and um they are encouraging a paradigm shift in the planet where since 90 percent of cancers are curable when caught at stage one 
they encourage people to start looking actively for cancers because then if you find them, you find them in stage one, boom, 90% you're back on track, which is a very interesting and smart thing. And Yale is um, very intelligent and accomplished for being as young as she is. She is nine years old, and that's a, a very advanced thinking. She's not nine. I'm kidding. Uh, check out the website. Anyway, um, but so I don't know what to do now. I don't know if I'd be requesting a test. I don't know what you guys think about it. Write me about your prostate exam thoughts at hashtag last week on earth hashtag prostate exam. And uh, please don't hashtag me that unless you really have to because I don't really mean that. And that would be so weird. That became a trending topic. Dude, prostate exam and last week on earth is, ha- is trending. Both of them. And Coney also is trending. I, I, I hear apparently the, the search for Coney is going well. The U.S. is throwing some, some interest behind it, a little bit of money, and, and apparently they're intensifying. They caught one of his main guys recently. That would be wonderful to catch him. He's a horrible person, Joseph Coney. Like Bill Maher said, if he's going to be made famous to that level, let's at least catch him and get the job done. Otherwise, he just becomes this like funny punchline. Like I just used him to be funny for a second. And he'll end up, as Bill Maher said, doing top 10 list on Letterman, wearing a funny hat, and it's all good. So let's bring justice to where justice is due, I, I think. I, I certainly believe in that. I believe in principles like that. And it's good to be patriotic when your country's doing the right stuff, which America often does, usually does. And I think we need to make sure always does so that we live in harmony with the planet and aren't fucking, you know, lugging our balls around and putting them on people's tables. Because people don't appreciate that. Very few circles. Is that cool? Just, hey, it's my balls on the table there. So, you know, it's important to know. Iran wants sanctions lifted before nuclear talks. As diplomats prepare for talks on Iran's nuclear ambitions next week in Baghdad, the Islamic Republic said Saturday that sanctions against the country would have to be lifted for discussions to go smoothly. Um. Obviously, the world community is not going to pull the sanctions off before discussing if you are currently building nuclear weapons, which you are. So that means you don't want to negotiate. We are totally ready to come to the meeting. It's a, it's a going to be a great time, bro. It's going to be a great time. And uh, uh, one side note, uh, before we come, you have to give up your whole thing you are arguing about. And we give up nothing. And then we show up and uh, we have kebab. And we have a rice uh, with tomato, and uh, uh, we have uh, couscous, and uh, some tahini with a pita, and we laugh. Uh, we'll still be developing in uh, the background our nuclear weapons. But, uh, bro, you know, what happened behind closed doors, you know, uh, it's cool. It's cool beans, cool potatoes, bro. It's cool potatoes. Uh, How is the rice? It's pretty good. Yes, I just have a question. Why do you say an O in the in the word rice? The word is rice, it's not it's not Royce. You know, bro, the Royce is it's, it's a good no. All right, if we're not going to be able to answer that that convert that question, I'll move on. But it's always confused me. You know, I grew up you know on the west side of Los Angeles. My father actually mentioned in the podcast a couple weeks ago. I actually grew up for a lot of my childhood in Beverly Hills. What I uh, I've always referred to as South Central Beverly Hills because it was uh, geographically in the South Central part of Beverly Hills. 
And it was definitely the poor part of Beverly Hills, which isn't poor, but it's not. Believe Everybody thinks that all of Beverly Hills is like rich, but if you ever seen the movie Slums of Beverly Hills, you realize there's like also just like a normal low, lowish rent neighborhood, you know. So we were lower middle class family growing up in, in the heart of luxury because a lot of the town certainly was that rich. Like I remember, you know, I went to, I went to Beverly Hills High School, actually. I don't know if I've ever even mentioned that on the podcast, but I went to Beverly Hills High School, go Normans, uh, the fighting Norms, whatever. I don't remember the full thing. Uh, oh, Beverly, we love you. School patriotism, another weird one. It's like they push you getting attached to things. This is the exact school you go to right now, so let's go fight. I mean, okay, so relax. Just chill out. Play checkers or some shit. Toss the ball around for me. You don't have to like beat everybody up. I'm a hypocrite by saying that because I played high school football on the bench mostly, but I was put in during junk minutes a lot of the time and uh, sacked the quarterback once, Rudy style. Uh, people carried signs that said Glebe, go Glebe, even though I would never play. Also kind of Rudy style. I guess somewhat that, that was cool, but also it's kind of partially mocking me because I'm not on the game. You know, Go to what? Go home, go to the water canister again and pretend like you're thirsty when you're not and chug some back. I get it. But I did have a... a, a Sack in a real game, but defensive end. And, and I played quarterback, backup quarterback, and I'd get some reps during summer league games, and I'd throw a couple touchdown passes. Okay? So, all of you sitting there judging me right now, you know, with merit even, but so what? Okay? I'm my own guy, and I live life my way. Sometimes that's on the bench. Sometimes, you know, you don't always have to be the, the star of the show. Okay? It wasn't last week on Earth with Ben Glee back then. It was the Norman football team. With, you know, Mike Hakim, Persian dude, interestingly enough, from Iran, who is where I learned that character. Bro, he was the most insane guy, Mike Hakim. Sorry for the tangent, but really quickly, insane in the greatest way. Like, he was an awesome, funny guy, but he would come out late to practice. Literally, helmet under his arm, uh, pads, pants not even tied up yet. Half hour late to, like, army practice. And you go like, bro, coach, I'm so sorry I'm late, bro. Guys, I'm so sorry I'm late, but the bitches, bro. The bitches are over my Range Rover. I come back. He's saying this for real. I come back from lunch, bro. All these girls come around my car, surround me, bro. I can't drive. It's like traffic, bro. I I can't drive forward. Bitches all around the car, bro. Um, The girls, man. He didn't always say bitches. A lot of times it would be, the ladies, bro. It's crazy. Which is respectful. I'm not trying to say Michael King wasn't respectful. But he got girls. And he told you about it. And uh, he thought he was cool. Also from Iran. I learned that voice there. Um, point is Iran. Iran? I said it combined two ways. Iran and Iran. I said Iran. That's the way we should do it. Compromise even on the pronunciation. We just got to start agreeing on shit. Let's start small. First thing at the nuclear talk should be, we are very upset when everybody says Iran. We are called Iran. And, and the American side, you know, Obama can be, oh, I understand. Oh, however, oh, America. It doesn't like to pronounce Middle Eastern sounding things. So what we're going to do, we are going to call you a compromise. Iran. Iran is ridiculous, bro. It's ridiculous. Okay, you know what? Actually, has kind of a ring to it. You agree to one thing, and then get them to stop doing nukes. And then we'll lift the sanctions. It'll be a perfect compromise. Just give them nuclear energy. Problem solved. Let's just have a dialogue, have national debates. We can get the answers on these damn things. 
It was a bit tangential for me to get there, but I understand the point. I'm tangential because in college, I didn't study. I don't have structure built into my brain. Maybe that's the good thing patriotism type things brings you. It brings you focus and structure because in college, I was focused mostly on my own show and didn't study and didn't show up to class as much as I should have. And this matches our next story. A study just came out according to the National Survey of Student Engagement. The amount of time college students spend preparing for class each week has dropped from 24 hours a week 12 years ago to just over about 15 hours a week now. Uh, I believe it. I believe that to be true. Critics say college students are getting lazier and college is getting less demanding academically, more focused on athletics. I believe that too. Because we're just, all we care about really, I mean, just the amount of hours put into social networking, I'm sure, is eating up those extra 10 hours. They're like, oh, I got to be reading something. Oh, could read boring stuff my friend just up- updated. Or this history lesson that I'm paying for the education for. And guys, I'm not criticizing choosing the former. I chose that all the time. I would have. I didn't even have Facebook when I was a young boy. I was in college. It was even pre-Friendster. Okay, It was just before Friendster. Not to tell you how old I am, but I'm 59 years old. I'll be 59 in nine years and 15 weeks and 25 years. 40 years from now, I'm a 14-year-old boy. I just have a lot of thoughts about the world. And I'm going to bring them to you. Because at 14, you're ready to share with the world. Nah, not to blow your mind, guys, but I, in about a month, have two decades on that 14-year-old boy. And 20 long years later, yeah. You got something to say. I don't want my taxes lower and whatever else you're supposed to say. And more Social Security, but keep the government away from my Medicare, even though that's a government program. You understand my point, though, don't you? My point is I believe it, but I believe that college doesn't need to teach you the things you're studying. Most majors it applies for. If you're like doctor, yes, learn every detail. But for others, you just need to learn concepts. And so I think if it's becoming a more conducive intellectual environment, then that's peachy keen. I'm all for that. But if it doesn't, you know, let's at least lower the price. Charge per class. Tests, 100 bucks. A plus, 150 bucks. I think we should be able to buy our grades is what I'm saying. I don't mean that last part. John Boehner warning about a debt ceiling showdown once again. He's, remember when the government almost shut down and the U.S. did lose its credit rating? We talked about it here on last week on Earth, I think, quite a lit, quite a lit, quite a lot. Uh, it was the worst example of our partisanship and ugly politics our nation has seen in recent years, I think. And Boehner's like, we're going to do it again. We're still going to threaten to not raise the country's debt limit unless we cut more than $1 of expenditures for each dollar that we raise the debt limit. And they never did this under any other president. They're only doing it against Obama. And they're the ones who ran it up for eight years before that. And it's insane to place such staunch, draw-the-line partisanship. Then again, on their side, they really want it. They want to start, they've changed their opinion now, and now they care about the budgets and don't want to go a dollar over. It's too unbendable. You can't be unbendable in negotiation. Then the word doesn't exist. Side note. Reverend Wright, startling allegations about Barack Obama and his team. President Obama's former pastor in Chicago, Jeremiah Wright, big controversy when he ran in 2008. 
said Obama's team tried to buy his silence. He's quoted as admitting, quote, after the media went ballistic on me, I received an email offering me money not to preach at all until the November presidential election. Asked who sent the email, Reverend Wright replied, it was from one of Barack's closest friends. He offered you money? Not directly. He sent the offer to one of the other members of the church who sent it to me. How much money did he offer you? $150,000. Did Obama himself ever make an effort to see you? Yes. Barack said he wanted to meet me in secret in a secure place. And one of the first things Barack said was, I really wish you wouldn't do any more public speaking until after the November election. But he knew he had speaking engagements lined up. And he said, I, Obama re repeated, I wish you wouldn't speak. It's going to hurt the campaign if you do that. They asked Reverend Wright, what did you say to that? And he said, you see, I don't see it that way. And anyway, how am I supposed to support my family? And he said, well, I wish you wouldn't speak in public. The press is going to eat you alive. Obama's still pushing for the way he saw it. And Wright replied, oh, and supposedly, Reverend Wright then says that Barack Obama said to him, I'm sorry you don't see it that way. Do you know what your problem is? He said, what's my problem? And he said, you have to tell the truth. And Reverend Wright said, that's a good problem to have. That's a good problem for all preachers to have. That's why I could never be a politician. If that's true, that is incendiary. And I apologize, I don't even have the source for that here, so I need to look that up and report it to you next week. But that is a, that's just shocking if that's true. Not that anything so wrong was done, but just that we have to make such calculated decisions in our current political climate that seems oftentimes so cold. They're like, they just seem like they're devoid of a consistent moral system. It's like, ah, oh, I know I should be able to let you keep speaking, but just don't talk anymore. And, you know, we just have to play such an elaborate game to elect our leaders, and that, I think, needs to be figured out how to be unwound to some degree, too. A GOP group this week considered another Reverend Wright attack against Barack Obama in this campaign cycle. Backed by a conservative billionaire, a cadre of top Republican strategists are considering a hard-line attack on Obama just before the Democratic convention. And their plan is, quote, do exactly what John McCain would not let us do, which includes a blitz of television ads linking Obama to the incendiary comments of his former pastor, Reverend Jeremiah Wright. The $10 million project known as the Ricketts Plan, named after a lovely disease called Ricketts, called for hiring, an ex quote, an extremely literate conservative African-American to accuse Obama of lying in presenting himself as a, quote, metrosexual black Abe Lincoln rather than a radical supporter of, quote, black liberation theology. Romney, to his credit, came right out and said, I do not endorse that. I think that's a ridiculous attack to make. And it's also partially because Romney is very afraid of attack ads coming back from Obama and people like Obama more than they like Romney, so they're going to have to make the campaign about Obama's policies having failed, while Obama's team's tactic seems to be all about Romney's character, trying to make you think he's not a person personally that people would want to vote for. And I have an audio clip for you that is a small example of that. Um, this is a segment called Campaign Ads and Tactics. Campaign ads and tactics. I need to record something for that.
because that was really horrible, what I just sang right there. But you understand that would be a placeholder just for this episode if I recur that as a segment. But um, this ad kind of implies that Mitt Romney is a vampire. Take it away. I was a steel worker for 30 years. We had a reputation for quality products. It was something that was American-made, and we weren't rich, but I was able to put my daughter through college. Having a good paying job that you can support and raise a family on is hugely important. That stopped with the sale of the plant to Bain Capital. It was like a vampire. He came in and sucked the life out of us. So Governor Romney says this is character assassination. This is not about economic record. It's about saying he's a bad guy. Well, two points I want to make real quick. First of all, I think it's a race for President Obama to remind the American public the kind of things he's been doing and stop letting the other side steal his narrative. He's a guy that's cut taxes on small business, the lowest discretionary spending we've had in decades in the United States. Start telling the truth about the, the Obama record to let people know that not only is he doing the kind of things, cutting taxes on the majority of Americans, uh, but he's also doing things to stimulate the economy. The economy is getting better. That's Cory Booker, man who saves his own constituents from burning houses and shovels snow when there's snowstorms. Defending Obama, he got into trouble during that same appearance when he said that he felt that the Obama administration's uh, attacks on on capital firms as a whole through their attacks on Bain Capital, Romney's old firm that he created and was the CEO of that you know shut down lots of companies for sheer profit, bought and sold companies very quickly and callously, it seems. Um said that he thought that line of attack ads from Obama's campaign was nauseating. And the Republicans started using that against Obama. And Cory Booker's an official surrogate for the Obama team, so they weren't that happy about it, and they had to respond to it. But um, Obama himself responded at a press conference at the G8 summit taking place in Chicago. The nation of the eight great powers are meeting uh, in conjunction there with a NATO summit as well. That's happening. That happened this last weekend. and. Um, he said in response to whether that's fair, he said, yes, it's fair because Mitt Romney's whole approach is saying, I am a businessman who has been proven success in the private sector at making money. So I know how to make money for our economy. And Obama's saying he's misunderstanding the job of president. It's not just about as callously as possible making money. It's about helping people. It's about figuring out how to make the system work for everybody, how to make it all balance perfectly. And he's not understanding this job with those ads, so it's fair game to respond. And I think Obama wins that argument, in my opinion. Um, Republican strategist Mike Murphy, on the same Meet the Press program, um, called out Obama on that very new ad. And here's that clip. <laughs> but when that plant closed, Mitt Romney was running the Olympics. The new guy at Bain who actually made the decision to pull the plug in the thing is an Obama super donor. I mean, there is a level of cynicism here in the tactics of politics that I think we're hitting overflow on. And I, th I think it's interesting that this Bain assault has happened at exactly the time Romney's inched up in the polls. All right, but Jim, you say there's a legitimate hit here on Ron. Very interesting. And I think d disappointing that that seems to be true because, granted, the Romney team puts out, put out some very negative and misleading ads on the Obama team earlier, even during the primaries. Maybe they were testing them out for some reason, but where they took Obama out of context. We talked about that on one of the past shows. Um, but, uh, but Obama's team seems to be the first one now in the main general election battle to be going on the attack on Romney directly instead of running positively, more positively on his own record. They're trying to get, 
Romney even out of the running in people's minds even before it gets to the conventions and gets a big rah-rah contest on both sides. And it's a very interesting strategy, but but seemingly negative for the Obama mantra of hope and change and ending bitter partisanship and all that. He didn't need to go negative first, I think. But, you know, we'll see how it pans out. It just seems like they're a little bit in the campaign willing to be a little more Chicago badass and uh, not worried so much about their image of being always the, like, ones who are fair and purely good and being a, playing, playing a little dirty. I mean, not dirty, but just kind of swinging early. I mean, it's good. Obama, I think, maybe got a lot of balls after he killed bin Laden. He was like, holy shit, this ain't bad. That was like getting to Mike Tyson and Mike Tyson's punch out after years and not even using the code, not even doing the A, B, C, B, C, B, A, B, A, B, A, select start thing. That's oft quoted, you know, but earning your way up there. And uh, he's ready to start swinging. Governor Rubio, in a sound clip from the same Meet the Press, being considered to be Mitt Romney's running mate, uh, Latino background, which is important because it could help Romney get um, a lot of Latino support, which he sorely needs. Latinos are not very fond of Romney at the moment. And here's what Marco Rubio said about Barack Obama in general. The man who today occupies the White House and is running for president is a very different person. We have not seen such a divisive figure in modern American history as we have over the last three and a half years. Wow. We have not seen a more divisive figure in modern American history? That is bullshit. That is just like insane bullshit. Obama's gave up so much political capital trying to get along with everybody, begging for compromise, begging for meetings, and he was stonewalled Jackson by the Republicans at every which way, every turn. I think that is just such political rhetoric for a crowd to uh, to enthusiastically applaud. That seems unfair to me. Uh, he certainly has played the game, but I think to say he's been more divisive than George W. Bush, that is a bold, bold statement. Santorum endorsed Romney in an email, not very enthusiastically. Quote, Governor Romney will be that nominee, and he has my endorsement and support to win this most critical election of our lifetime. Adding... I strongly encourage Romney that he had more conservative leaders as an integral part of his team. Um, very tepid, very unexcited, but it's done. Romney tried to take credit for the auto bailout this week. In spite of his belief that Detroit should have been allowed to go bankrupt, Romney, who is now the nominee for the Republican Party and the man who needs to be very careful of how he phrases shit these days, on Monday, or maybe actually two Mondays ago, the story I wanted to cover last week and I didn't get to it, um, said that Obama followed his lead when he ushered auto companies through a managed bankruptcy soon after he took office. Quote from Romney, I pushed the idea of a managed bankruptcy. And finally, when that was done and help was given, the companies got back on their feet. That was to a Cleveland area auto parts maker. He said that in an interview um, at an auto parts maker. So, quote, I'll take a lot of credit for the fact that this industry has come back. End quote. Uh, he did not want them to give the money to the auto industry to use that bailout money to save the, the auto industry, that they should have been put through managed bankruptcy and let down. They were put through a, a different sort of bankruptcy once the bailout funds came in as well, but that was guaranteed 
coming out of bankruptcy with the backing of the American government. So that's a very different sort of bankruptcy. And this is not what Romney endorsed. And he said he would take a lot of credit for it. And um, Obama laughed at him over that. And I think that's fair as well. Um, Skechers got outed. Big news. You know their shape-up shoes? Kim Kardashian endorsed? Bullshit. Did not get you in shape. Didn't fix your butt. All that stuff. It was a lie, apparently. I can't say I'm totally surprised. But I really thought Kim Kardashian would have researched her endorsements better and not done that to us. But, you know, you don't win them all. You don't win them all. For the first time ever, minorities are the majority of babies born in the United States. That is big news. Of all births in the 12-month period ending July 2011... Non-Hispanic white babies made up less than half. First time ever. Of 2.5 million births, 49.6% were non-Hispanic whites, while 50.4% were Hispanics, blacks, Asians, and others of mixed races. The new racial makeup represents a milestone for a country founded by white Europeans and represents a generational divide between younger Americans and those who grew up in a predominantly white society. And now 36.6% of the overall population. Isn't that amazing? I think that's kind of exactly what white people need in this country. Myself included, sort of. I guess I'm categorized as white. Why not? Um, is to not be the majority anymore. Imagine when it gets to a, play, a time soon in the future when it'll be at least 50.1% non-whites as the majority in America. Then when entitled, kind of racist, old white people say things like, damn minorities, they'll be talking about themselves. And it'll all be good in the world. Things will literally flip. Just based on that conundrum of language, they'll be like, wait a minute. What I just said about myself is how I've been treating others. And boom, one snap of a finger. Everything's chill. And racial harmony is fully integrated into American society forever. That'd be nice that happened. That'd be really nice. Vogue bans two skinny images. Tyra Banks came out in support of that this this week, wrote an article in Huffington Post saying, you go, girls, go and eat, girls. Um, and supporting the the trend away from the uber skinny, sickly, honestly, looking women that have become the norm sometimes on these runways and covers. Not that I frequent runways, but when I've seen images on E! News as I'm flying by the pop culture landscape, I've seen it. And on the covers, sometimes that like Mary Olsen look, like the sucking in the air in your face to look skinnier even when you're already uber skinny, I would be like blowing air into my cheeks, like puff, puff face style. And then you can like deflate it cutely. I'd be doing that in my photo shoots more often than trying to suck the air out if I were super skinny. But this is a good update. Who on earth finds uber skinny attractive? You got to have some meat to have some cushion and some pushing in the ocean or whatever the full phrase is. I don't know the whole phrase, but it's about pushing and ocean waves and banging and having a great time. So I don't see anything wrong with that. Paris Hilton, speaking of that, releasing a new album. She will debut her new single, After Midnight, on June 5th. 
According to Brazilian website LivePass, the single was produced by Afrojack and features a collaboration with LMFAO. They're legit. It makes her legit musically. 31-year-old Paris Hilton dropping a new album later this year. The world is complete. I'm so happy for us as a planet, as a country. My patriotism is getting brewed up again. Realizing Paris is back. Flowrider is also going to be on one of the tracks. Flowrider, named after a state. Very patriotic. The state of Flowrider. So that's pretty awesome. Two and a half men renewed for season 10. This is also wonderful news. All this great news pouring in suddenly in the show. Things are looking bright again. Somebody paid $150 million for the Scream painting. The 1895 classic famous painting, the creepy-looking droopy face by Edvard Munch. Edvard Munch, Norwegian painter. Most ever paid for art at auction. Here's the weird part of it. It's one of just four. There's another story from two weeks ago I wanted to cover. I didn't get to because Paul and I were just talking about all kinds of other things, and and uh, I, you know, we didn't get to every story I wanted to cover. One of four. So there's four of these that exist. It got the most money. The guy redid it four times. He's like proving this painting's not even that hard to do. I just did it four times. I'm going to sell all four much after my death for the most money possible. This accent's wavering, but you understand? I don't know where he's from. I all of a sudden realized I was doing kind of a Japanese thing when I was trying to do German, and he's really from Norway. Norway's maybe more of a lake, kind of more like this. Like, I can't believe people are paying so much for my screamy paintings. A little Paul McCartney, I'm sorry. Seems like a lot of money. $150 million for a piece of paint. Paint. A slab of paint that people, the guy made. $150 million. Think of all of the different fun things you could do with it, good things you could do with it. Give like a couple, give a couple rolls of $10,000 to like random homeless guys and watch them flip out. You just got them places again to live. Or, yes, but look at this beautiful, this guy just, in the way he painted that four times, I want to own one of the four. Can't you get an exact replica of it for like $200 painted by another artist or an exact lithographic reprint? Yeah, sure. But then I'd still have this $150 million lying around. What good is that going to do me? I want to get the original one. So that's kind of my thoughts on buying art. Like, I've bought art a few times in my life. Like, I bought a $400 piece. Is that insane? That's the most expensive thing I ever bought. But one that I've had on my wall, so I look like I'm classy for the last billion years. I still have posters, the rest of it. Thumbtacked quotes on the wall. You know, it's not, the decor is not that of a of a fancy town library or Barnes Noble or anything. I'm, I'm, I'm one guy just trying to make my way through life. And for that, I need help sometimes. So let's turn to the Brain Trust for Twitter answers. I asked, what's an automatic turnoff for you or a time you met someone and why they made a bad first impression? Very interesting answers this week. Brain Trust never lets me down. At Sam Fran Stew. Great one to start out with. Said, chewing chips and talking really close to my face at the same time. Even worse if you have messed up teeth. Agreed on both counts, man. I couldn't agree more. 
People will really do that. And you know what sucks about that kind of behavior? That's what leads to being dicks. The pro- Unless they're totally oblivious, they know in the back of their head, I probably shouldn't be chewing right in this guy's face, but I don't give a fuck. And they're d- d- being dicks. Or they're totally oblivious. Then you got to at least, you know, keep them at a, at a fair personal space distance. At Antisane, A-A-N-T-I-S-A-I-N, said after a week of dating was told to lose 15 pounds and to get rid of my New York accent so his friends would stop razzing him. Dropped him. First of all, I'd like to know, why do you have so many pawns? Most people don't have any pawns. And you had 15 extra pawns that somebody could even suggest. You better not keep telling my friends about these pawns you have everywhere. These private pawns of yours. They outdo me in conversation every time. Stop bringing up your awesome pawns. And if you were bringing them up all the time, I think that's a fair criticism. Oh, okay. If, in fact, actually maybe that was a typo and you meant pounds, that's a messed up thing for him to say. Entire Banks is cool with you having those 15 extra now, so tell him that. Or dropping them is probably a better choice. At Mr. Ryan Campbell said, Being on their phone all the time to text, Facebook, tweet, instant deal breaker. Turn that shit off and live. I like that, man. Well written. It inspired me for a minute. But then I immediately thought, oh, I'm so inspired. I want to tweet about it. I'm, I, I mean, I grant you, man. You gave me pods because I'm addicted to my phone. I love interacting with all of you. and I love seeing what people have to say and how the things that I'm throwing out there into the world are received by people. And that's important to me. So. I'm addicted. Do, do I have to stop, Mr. Ryan Campbell? How do you, should I check only a certain number of times a day? What, what do I do? At B-Ball Hillbilly said, automatic turnoff, Justin Bieber haircut. All about the Gleber fever. Hashtag last week on earth. Um, bad news, I just got the Bieber haircut. Because I love flipping it. Willow Smith inspired me to flip my hair. And Justin Bieber inspired me to have a certain shape to that hair when I'm flipping it. And that's just the man that I am. And I, I ask that you accept me, B-Ball Hillbilly, who is a sweet-looking lady, who I, I, couldn't, I didn't get to enlarge the photo to look closely. But I'm sure you're very sweet-looking. You, you look very sweet in your current image. Um, and you know, people usually don't get less sweet when the pic- picture gets bigger. You often be like, oh, that person looks so sweet. Enlarge it. Whoa, what a dick. I had a smile and miniaturized that looked sweet, but now it looks a little creepy when you blow it up. At Owabuko, no joke, O-A-B-O-O-A-A-B-B-C-C-O-O. No one will ever remember that, dude. As cliche as it sounds, a girl who has no sense of humor. I'll take the sarcastic eight over the oblivious ten. Touche, I agree with you. Uh, it'd be nice if there was more sarcastic tens. I'm kidding. You don't need a ten in life. You need, I think, in life what's your own personal 9.5. That's my belief. But I'm talking the overall on the scale. Not just the physical hot or not scale. I'm talking face that you like enough, body that you like enough personality that you like enough, intelligence that you like just the right amount. We're looking for the Goldilocks syndrome of your major categories. And then I say green light. 
you know? But not until then. I digress. At Maya Karam said, when they ask permission to kiss me, get some balls, damn it. I feel you on this. I've done that a couple times in my life. In college, I did it once. It worked, but it wasn't good and did not lead to a great makeout session because the girl was like, really? She actually talked to She's like, why did you just ask me? But then I still was able to convince her to, to let me do it. And we did it for a couple of minutes. And it was fun, actually. She was really attractive and a pretty good kisser, but it was not set up in a very sexy way. So I feel you on that. I think I did it one other time. I think it probably worked again, but I agree. You never feel quite like the pimp when you do it by act. By asking. I was going to say by axing. But I didn't want to. But then I decided to anyway. So I said it both ways. And finally, at Lynn Kala, says my turn off, men with tiny hands. And when I read this, I cried. I ran to my hat box where I have enormous gloves hidden in the bottom of them. I pulled them out. I'm doing this entire podcast with oversized gloves in my hands. The opposite of the problem, O.J. Simpson had a trial when he had tiny gloves for his big hands. And I covered my frighteningly tiny miniature baby boy hands in shame. And I'm so sorry that I turned you off, Lynn Kala. But at least on this podcast, you don't have to often see my hands. And that can be your one consolation. My Shit Hitchhikers Say video is still out. Check it out on the YouTube.com slash BGleeb. That's my channel on YouTube. And I just released the first ever video of this podcast. A four-minute video of Brian Cranston and I talking about Rush Limbaugh, if you remember that from that episode. This one is the video of it in my apartment. Uh, both of us making fun of the absurd and um, sometimes plump Rush Limbaugh. And I say plump as a positive. The word plump is lovely. I like chicken that's plump. I like people that are plump, just for the record. I'll be on Chelsea May 23rd, tonight, Wednesday. Uh, American Comedy Company in San Diego's Gaslamp District, June 7th, 8th, and 9th. Please get tickets on their website. And those sci-fi specials again that I'm in with a few other comedian friends of mine. Uh, debuting starting this Friday, May 25th, 10 p.m. Insane or Inspired. And every Friday at 10 p.m. for the next six weeks. And now, it's time for the Thunder Round. Indonesians can't wait for Lady Gaga. Uh, she had a concert scheduled there for June 3rd. It sold out 50,000 tickets. And uh, people started protesting. People started protesting and said that, because it's a very Muslim country, the most Muslim country in the world, that's not a straight-up Muslim country, even though it is a Muslim country. It's just a str the most Muslim country in the world. I stick by, by my initial assessment. Um, and they are saying that she has the wrong values, and they're calling her the devil's messenger, who wears only, quote, bra and panties to the stage. Everybody knows that the devil does not wear a bra and panties. So it rules her out as being the devil. Everybody knows he wears a red costume with a cape. And that's even down in hell, where it is super warm. So, you can read the rest of that story at Agence France Presse. Agency France Press with an E at the end. 
you know. Why well, they got to spell things so complicatedly? The MTV Awards conflict with the Democratic National Convention, both scheduled for September 6th. MTV apparently told CNN that MTV will air their award show an hour earlier than planned to avoid conflict with the Democratic National Convention that evening and Obama's accepting the nomination speech. I say they combine them. Both awesome convention hall events, both very Hollywoody. Kanye can interrupt Obama during his acceptance speech. No offense, no offense, uh, Brock, but your acceptance speech at the first presidency, way, way better than the acceptance speech of the decade. That would be cooler. You know, Michelle and Brock would win Best Kiss. You never know. Just floating ideas out there. They're not all great solutions. Virgin Airlines launches in-flight cell use. I knew we were allowed to do it the whole time. I knew it wouldn't mess up the, the cabin. They're going to charge you a dollar twenty a minute just for normal international roaming. But you'll be able to use your cell phones only six people at a time because probably the bandwidth to activate the air server is not that broad. Only six people at a time could be on the phone. But I knew it wasn't going to make the plane crash. So they're allowing it now, Virgin, on flights from New York to London. But they have to turn it off when they're in American airspace because the Federal Aviation Administration, or FA, as everybody refers to it, uh, doesn't want it used in their airspace and their bosses over the air over America. Because those lines that we, you know, took from the Indians a long time ago and said, sorry, bros, we're going to, we're, we're, we're business guys and we're very minded towards expansion. So we got to, we got to keep building. You're lucky that you're, you're welcome to stay in these little patches of land and start casinos. We'll visit tax free. That's the least we could do. Want some more blankets? No? You're good on the blankets? Look, that was the one time the blankets caused smallpox. The one time. Other than that, also, they keep you warm. Okay, whatever. It's totally cool, bro. Totally cool. They're just businessmen, our our forefathers. They're, They're businessmen who, you know, I don't mean our forefathers of America. I mean of the occupation by the white man of North America. I was hoping that was clear in that act out, but can't ever hurt to clarify. But apparently several other airlines have been allowing cell phone calls for a long time. Some Middle Eastern airlines. So all I'm saying is I knew it. $3.6 million of pot was found floating on the California coast. Talk. I mean, holy, right? Floating. Don't worry, in bags, taped up, usable still. Law enforcement came across an estimated 7,263 pounds of marijuana bound in 160 bales floating off of Orange County, California. The discovery of the trove of seaweed Sunday was reportedly first made by a boater about 15 miles from shoreline. Apparently, drug runners sometimes will dump their cargo if they're being chased. But this time, there was no boat in sight. And um, they are investigating, as I would be. When I first heard this story, the first thing I, I wanted to know was, tell me exactly where. I want to really understand the story. And how long does it take to unload all those bags that are floating? Can I go for a swim? Can I learn scuba diving real quick? A lot of questions enter your mind at a time like that. Um, but all that has to be valued more than $3.6 million. We should legalize it. A lot of extra money. We need money right now. Make the move. 
An artist was arrested for loving New York too much. An artist in Brooklyn, New York, arrested after he installed illuminated plastic shopping bags with the I Heart New York logo on lampposts, was charged with, quote, planting false bombs and ordered to undergo a psychological evaluation. A false bomb? A.K.A. an I Love New York sign on lampposts as an art project. 50-year-old Japanese-born artist got picked up while he was hanging one of the bags from a tree. The NYPD bomb squad got a call. Suspicious package saying how much the person is in love with this city. Get him down. He told police he was part of the New York Design Week 2012. Judge ordered him to be held for a mental evaluation. I'm sorry, but he was doing the opposite of bombing New York. He was loving New York. He was dropping bombs of love on that city. Bringing the light to all of us. YouTube, huge amount of uploads. No surprise, but you want to hear how much exactly? YouTube has celebrated only its seventh birthday. Can you believe that? YouTube is only seven years old. And it's talking great. Uh, Seven years old, you talk great by then. Point being, announced users upload 72 hours of video a minute to the website. That's all being archived. That's That's an exponentially... Impossible amount. At some point, are they going to have servers big enough? I don't even understand how that's going to be possible. But over 3 million hours a month of video uploaded. I did the math to, to multiply it all out. But they also love watching clips too still on the site. They're logging 3 billion hours a month viewing videos on the site and not making their own. So at least we're still slightly less narcissistic than we, than, than we are interested in others to some degree. Although if you probably factor in the amount of time we all spend on our own social networking pages, we are probably more into ourselves than we are into others, actually. So I take that back. Ruffles is launching man potato chips made of men. I'm kidding. What? Kidding. But they are launching man potato chips, a line of Ruffles ultimate potato chips just for men. They will feature deeper ridges and more manly flavors like kicking jalapeno ranch and sweet and smoking barbecue like a dude. Flippin' Burgers Salsalito. That last one's not real. They're going to also come out with new brands of dips with masculine flavors. Beef and cheese and smokehouse bacon. Want to go over there in the smokehouse? Have some of this bacon dip? You and me. Come on, Jim. Come with me about back in the smokehouse. Let's have us some bacon, some beef and cheese dip. And uh, both of us can dip our sweet and smoking BBQs in there. You know what I'm saying, Jim? You see, the dude don't like it. The dude. I'm not going to do it. I can't do an impression of that guy right now. From Big Lebowski. The dude doesn't like his carpet messed with. It's a very bad impression. I shouldn't have done it. I can't wait to try man chips with my delicious drinks. I'm an endorser of men being able to drink whatever flavors they want. I've been talking about it in my act for years. Because you're more of a man by... Having whatever taste you want in your mouth. I love strawberries, so I will have strawberries in my mouth when I'm out in public if there's an option. Someone's grinded, grinding up fresh strawberries into a delicious alcoholic drink. I'll get drunk while having a tropical vacation in, in my mouth. If I just close my eyes and drink it, fuck yes, you're damn right I'm going to drink that, that, that fruity drink. And I'm more of a man for doing so. But to overcompensate, I will have man chips at the same time. They will be great. 
A hardware store banned pennies. Hardware store in Miami, Florida. Banned pennies because they're such a nuisance. They've hung a sign on the front door saying they will no longer take pennies because accounting for the nearly 1,200 pennies each day from their 10 registers is annoying. Clerks are even rounding down in the customer's favor to avoid getting pennies. That's nice of them. But if you pay credit card, you still pay the full amount. There's a growing movement in Canada. They dropped one cent from the nation's currency, saving the country about $11 million a year. Great, let's do that here. Get rid of the penny. Even though I said last week that's how my grandfather taught me the meaning of money was by rolling pennies. I learned that lesson, and we can still learn it by rolling nickels. Let's get rid of the penny. It looks dirtier than normal coins. It always gets very filthy looking fast. And no one thinks it's, it's, it's good luck, really. Really, it's like you find a penny. You're like, it's, it, people do think it's good luck. But when you find a nickel, a dime, you're like, this is your, this is your wedding day. This is, bar, this is bar mitzvah probably tomorrow. And you got your Torah portion down. There's a lot of options. I don't know what I meant at the end there, but yeah, 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 I do. I just want to pretend like I didn't because I didn't want to sound like I was too into my bar mitzvah, but I was excited about it and I rocked that shit, okay? I rocked it. Last year, the U.S. Mint spent $119 million to produce $49 million worth of pennies. pennies. So we got screwed on that deal. My main point I'm trying to make with this story as well is this is another way the government can save money. Another $119 million, okay? Let's get rid of pennies before we get rid of slightly bigger things like health care and social security for our population. Just a suggestion. Only three very quick and very different stories before our podcast is done today. Those are coming after you in two seconds. Right after this breaking news update. Last week on Earth's first breaking news update. Gaga just canceled the concert. Not going to Indonesia. A little scared for her safety and the protests are freaking her out. She was born this way, not Indonesia's way. And now our last three stories. Are there many universes? Interesting story in the dailybeast.com this week. Quote from Albert Einstein begins it. What really interests me is whether God had any choice in creating the world. Close quote. It wasn't meant to be a religious quote. Einstein wanted to know whether the laws of physics necessarily yield a unique universe. Ours, filled with galaxies, stars, and planets. Or instead, like each year's assortment of new cars on the dealer's lot. Could the laws allow for universes with a wide range of different features? Still quoting from the article. But now, rather than merely imagining that our universe might have had different properties, proponents of three independent developments now suggest that there are other universes separate from ours, most made from different kinds of particles and governed by different forces, populating an astoundingly vast cosmos. Still quoting this last part. Kind of caps it all up very nicely. During the past five centuries, we've used the power of observation and mathematical calculation to shatter misconceptions. From a quaint, small, Earth-centered universe to one filled with billions of galaxies, the journey has been both thrilling and humbling. We've been compelled to relinquish sacred belief in our own centrality. But with such cosmic demotion, 
We've, de- we've demonstrated the capacity of the human intellect to reach far beyond the confines of ordinary experience, to reveal extraordinary truths. The multiverse proposal, many universes, might be wrong, but it might also be the next step in this journey, unveiling a breathtaking panorama of universes populating a vast cosmic landscape. A horse swam two miles here on Earth this last week. It's amazing that in a vast cosmos, there might even be billions of other galaxies and universes. A whole planet can have stories penetrate through it about one horse. Swam two miles this week, an Arabian horse named William was rescued from the sea on Tuesday after he got spooked and ran into the water, swimming two miles out to sea. He was spotted two miles from the shore, swimming toward oil rigs. Rescuers attached a hook to the horse's reins from a helicopter above and pulled him into a boat. He was examined by a veterinarian and released back to his owner, healthy and happy. The the seven-year-old horse bolted from, from a beach photo shoot near Santa Barbara, California, and plunged into the ocean, launching this enormous rescue effort. Maybe this horse didn't like being forced to pose naked. Is that possible? No one ever asked the horse, would you like a drape put on you before we snap a whole bunch of photos and publish them in a horse calendar for the world to see? Horse doesn't get a choice. And our last story on Last Week on Earth, as it always should be and never is, is another horse story. I'll Have Another wins Preakness. A horse named I'll Have Another won the Preakness on Saturday, racing past another horse whose name is Bodemeister, which is not a great name for a horse. I'll Have Another way better, way funnier. Um, And he's the 11th horse since 1978 only to win both the Kentucky Derby and the Preakness, the first two of the three you need to win the illustrious and rare and hard-to-win Triple Crown. If you win all the three big... It's amazing that it's the same animal could be so much better than the other animals on the planet that are trained for this, that they can consistently win races. That's a pretty amazing thing. And I feel like they deserve respect where they should be asked for photo shoots what clothing they want to wear. It's a side note, and I already covered it, and I realize that. But he won the two out of three legs. And uh, we'll move on soon to see if he can win the whole shebang and break a 34-year-old unachieved goal. And um, I only report this last story because I love the ridiculous names of racehorses. They're ridiculous and fun. And so I'll leave you this week with a favorite old comedy piece that I created back in the day with my old producing partner and writing partner, Scott Richardson, from our old National Lampoon talk show which is also a bonus track on my first stand-up comedy album, not available in stores. Um, but you can get on my website at benglebe.com if you want to hear the whole thing, including the stand-up that comes before it. But this is one of the bonus tracks. And it's me and Scott introducing a horse race that I end up calling in a weird accent. We called this bit Horse Race Horse. Thank you all so much for listening and going through all the events that happened this last week on the planet. And uh, also... Not all of them, but a lot of them. Until last week, next week. This has been Last Week on Earth. And we know here that a lot of our listeners have gambling problems. Huge gambling problems. A lot of them are degenerates. 
but we don't want you to change that dial. So we here are going to take care of you. We're going to play the horse races live for you, so you don't even have to leave the station to find out how much money you need. Let's go to a live horse race right now. The horses have reached the starting gates, and they're off. Out of the gates, it's can you come over? Lucky star, two lengths ahead of eat my balls. Eat my balls, pacing ahead of Britney Spears. Holy Moses in fourth. Tomorrow night, a little to the left, far in the back. On all fours, yes, right there, and oh my God, stuck in the middle. Britney Spears, eat my balls. From the back, it's James Vanderbeek. James Vanderbeek from behind, trying to catch up to eat my balls. Eat my balls, speeds ahead. He won't let Vanderbeek catch up to eat my balls. Britney Spears on all fours. It's Britney Spears inching ahead to eat my balls. Oh my God, yes, right there. A little to the left. Oh my God, yes, right there. Holy Moses. Tomorrow night, can you come over and eat my balls? This has been a production of Smodco Internet Radio.